Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, this is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Zibby Owens. Zibby's the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, and her newly launched podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. She's a regular contributor to ABC's Good Morning America Online, has been featured twice on CBS This Morning, and contributes to the BBC and regional shows such as Good Day LA, Good Day DC, ABC7, Eyewitness News, New York, and New York One. Her writing regularly appears in the Washington Post, and she's contributed to Real Simple, Parents, Mary Claire, Red Book, The New York Times Online, and others. She's the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new online publication for Medium featuring submission-based personal essays. She was named New York City's top book fluencer by New York Magazine and Oprah.com included Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books in its list of best book podcasts. Before the pandemic, Zibby ran a literary salon, hosted her own book fairs, and was a frequent bookstore event moderator. During the quarantine, she hosted a daily Instagram live author talk show, ZIGTV, which won awards, and a weekly Instagram live show with her husband, KZ Time. She's also launched an online magazine with author-written essays called We Found Time and started Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets twice monthly. She currently has two book deals for children's books with Flamingo, Penguin Random House uh, imprint, and her picture book, Princess Charming, love that title, is scheduled for a spring-summer 2022 release. Her first anthology, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology, is releasing this month. And her second, Moms Also Don't Have Time To, is scheduled for November 2021. Active in her community, Zibby serves on the boards of the Mount Sinai Health System, the Mount Sinai Parenting Center, and the Child Mind Institute, and co-chairs the Library Council of the New York Public Library. She's a graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School and lives in New York with her husband, Kyle Owens of Morning Moon Productions, and her four children ages 6 to 13. Oh my goodness. We will be talking about that. Check her out at zibbyowens.com, Z-I-B-B-Y-Owens.com. Welcome, Zibby. Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I had to read your full bio just because... The first thing to talk about is how many things you are doing, how many balls you have in the air during this incredibly challenging time of COVID. My my hat, if I were wearing one, would be off to you right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I just, uh, I keep getting all these ideas and then I just want to try everything. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I, you know, some things during this time for me got busier, but not because I went and invited them. I've been sort of slow. So uh, are you a person in general who in challenging times tends to do a lot and, you know, get very active or is that how you're wired or um, yes. is it just you had a little, <laughs> that is how you're wired. <laughs> I, I don't do well at at relaxing. And um, in times of anxiety, I find it more helpful to act and do. And so this is sort of the out, the outgrowth of, of that. <laughs> well, I can see that there's an underlying um, direction in everything you do. It all, it all does fit, fit together. And I know sometimes when people hear, hear things I've done, 
you know, they're, they're kind of like, oh, it's so many things. And I'm thinking, well, it's really all one thing <laughs> that shows itself in different ways. But I wonder how that is for you. Do you see it as all kind of uh, motivated by the same underlying mission? Yes. Um, in fact, trying to make things sound as cohesive as they are in my mind is is a, <laughs> is an objective. Um, yes, everything is is linked. For me, it's all about helping other people, connecting other people, um, helping people use their time wisely, and helping authors. Um, one of the things I love to do is connect people with a book that will change their life or help them or come at just the right moment. You and I were talking earlier about um, Claire Bidwell Smith's Rules of Inheritance and how that's been such a balm for people um, at certain times in their life. And being able to hand someone a book and say like, here, I think this will really help you. That's just amazing to me. So I started with the podcast and everything has kind of grown from it. Um, I like to think of it as moms don't have time to is like the parent company, like the Condé Nast and all these other things are sort of the magazines underneath um, the, the parent brand. So, hmm. you know, as uh, I, I mentioned to you before we went on that as I was reading the book, which uh, is a is an anthology, and so lots of different points of view, which is wonderful to me because in this time we, you know, we resonate with different things, right? <laughs> what what is it that helps us through? It's different for different things, but one thing that was clear to me in reading it was um, I've been identifying, I was I've been imagining being the parent I was when my kids were little, and doing this. And of, and of course, I have grandchildren, so that's pretty personal at the moment, too. Um, but I liked that your, that the articles people contributed were mostly, shall we say, like two to three pages? Uh, because I could imagine my daughter, for instance, reading one before she goes to bed or something. <laughs> it seems very doable in a way that longer books maybe aren't right now for some people. Yeah, Is that I think part of your intention. Yes, um, I think that sometimes people are intimidated by the length of other books, or they get so distracted. As I can completely relate to, um, they'll read a passage, and then maybe a couple nights will go by, and they'll pick it back up and not remember what they were reading, or and so they get discouraged by the whole thing. Or books will linger on their nightstand for too long, and so they'll give up and be like, "Oh, you know, I don't have time to read. Like, forget it." Um, but I like to have reading be just little insertions of your time and something that you can pick up and pick put pick up and put down the way you would say a magazine or not that people are really doing that either, but um, the way you would, you know, a social scroll down Instagram lane or something like that. Um, you can get a literary infusion very quickly with just a few pages and it can transport you to other places and emotional states faster than other things, certainly faster than a lot of other self-care recommendations like, you know, working out or taking a bath or things like that. I feel like reading a couple pages like these essays are is, is just beyond soothing and um, makes me feel so connected and understood. And obviously the book has lots of different points of view, but there's something in there for everyone. And even hearing other people's points of view is helpful. And when you're going through your own stuff, as we all are, particularly now. So, yeah, I, I think that these are the perfect length to read before bed or read while you're in the pickup line or you're waiting for your kid to fall asleep. Or, And it's not just for moms. It's for caretakers. It's for people oh, who are caring for others, who who love reading great literature and original content by some of their favorite authors and you know, you don't have to have a child of your own to appreciate these essays uh, by any stretch. No, absolutely not. But I was also, you know, coming around to really the theme of this show. Um, I, I've I've been thinking about this time, which is almost a year now. Can can we really believe that? You know, almost a year of dealing with COVID now, and uh, I've considered that a, a kind of global grief event. And one thing that happens for not, it doesn't sound like this happens for you, but one thing that happens for a lot of people is that uh, they can't concentrate in grief. And so the idea that, you know, you don't have to uh, kind of keep a plot line in your head or, 
you know, that they, I know in grief for me, I can only read short things when I've had a, a major loss in my life. Um, and so I liked it in that way. Um, you know, that they're, they're very accessible and, and, um, uh, emotional also, I guess I would say people, the writing is, is, is transparent and vulnerable. Yes. And I think that at different times in the grief process, you have different abilities as I'm sure, you know, far better than I do, but I know that on the immediate heels of a, of a devastating loss. It's, it is hard for me to read. And sometimes I do have to reread the same passages and um, that's not the time to pick up, you know, the most dense multi-generational family saga. Um, But later when you're ready for it, it's particularly therapeutic. Um, So I, I, you know, I have definitely found my concentration flagging after loss. That's for sure. Uh, But for me, at least after a couple weeks, I can, sort of sit upright again and, and go back to my books. I want to get, I want to uh, read a little bit from your introduction before we go to the break, because as the backdrop to what you have been offering in the world, I, uh, you are also in grief as far as, uh, you know, as you've shared. And I think it, it's important for people to know that, that uh, because it is inspiring to see uh, someone able to channel that into a project like this, as you have done. Um, here's what I want to share. My husband, this is you speaking, of course. My husband, Kyle's grandmother, Marie, passed away from COVID-19, which she inadvertently caught while hospitalized for a life-threatening heart condition several weeks before. She promptly went home and gave it to her daughter and roommate, my mother-in-law, Susan Owens. At 63, Susan was healthy and newly divorced, a hardworking baker and small business owner who had started a new relationship with a guy with a motor motorcycle that she actually dared to ride. Thank you for that. <laughs> people don't <laughs> people don't see us slightly older people as kind of full in that way. So I, I appreciated it. After three weeks on a cocktail of meds, her lungs still ended up ravaging, ravaged. She went on a ventilator and then when that failed and the doctors in Charlotte ran out of options, she was airlifted to Duke and she ended up dying of a stroke. Um, That's important in terms of the context behind this work you're doing and, and how you're you're in it with everybody that is also speaking about COVID and loss. But also just um, one thing I've been so aware of as a grief counselor is how hard it is to maintain a connection to human beings because the numbers are so incredibly staggering. And I appreciated you sharing that in your book um, because uh, I felt I got to meet both those people. And it's painful, but I think it's important. Thank you. Yeah, no, it is It is not just a number. And these are people's families and the loves of people's lives. And I saw it all firsthand. And, you know, my husband and his sister are truly grieving. And I'm I'm here to support them and, you know, deal with my own loss as well. And at this point, um, there's there are very few people I know who haven't been personally affected in some way, near or far, which wasn't true at the beginning, but has been more true as we've gone along and, you know, numbers increased, etc. Um, so when we come back, what I'd like to talk about is... Uh, a few things that have come out of that that loss in particular, like the um, uh, you know project you're doing with Mount Sinai, and to talk about the different things moms don't have time to do that that you cover in the book, <laughs> uh, because I I love the categories. So we'll come back and talk to that talk about that in a few minutes. Great. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media, the Good Grief page at Voice America, to link to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
Uh, And at the top of the page, there's also a link to check out my novel, An Ocean Between Them. You can sign up for my email list and please reach out and say what what helps you and affects you in the show. And to find Zibby Owens and her book and everything else she does, go to zibbyowens.com. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Zibby Owens about her just-released book, Moms Don't Have Time To, A Quarantine Anthology. Um, so right before the break, we were, um, you know, talking about the losses in your family. Um, and, of course, I know that when you're living with someone who's grieving, um, you're grieving too, right? <laughs> there's, you yes. know, there's there's your own... My, my mother-in-law died a few years ago. We were very close. Uh, not as close as her and her daughter, though, of course. <laughs> and just um, navigating my wife's grief, I know, is a big deal. And then navigating it with all your little children must be quite a lot, especially there's not as much distraction uh, I mean, there's lots of things to do. It's a busy time, but it's not a distracting time. We're all, most of us, mostly at home, most of the people I know. So how has that all been in your family? It's a lot of moods. Um, It's a constant mood juggling act. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, my husband's grief um, is very up and down and comes out in all different ways. And as no stranger to grief myself, I'm, I'm familiar with what it feels like, but not as familiar with living some with someone who's going through it um, even more intensely. And it's, you know, it's a lot. My heart breaks for my husband and his sister and, um, you know, he'll be upset. And, you know, sometimes grief presents itself, not just in tears, obviously, but in a whole range of emotions. And, um, you know, having a six-year-old and a seven-year-old tantrum about, you know, my son had a tantrum the other day because I wouldn't give him $27 to buy like <laughs> Robux on some video game. I'm like, <laughs> seriously? So like I have him like on the street, not getting in the car, demanding $27, even though he's like two feet tall. And then, you know, I have my other daughter, you know, so, so scared of bugs that she won't take a shower. And then, you know, my husband and his sister are there for dinner and, 
you know, crying. I mean, it's like, you know, and then my older kids, it's, it's a zoo. It's just a zoo. And we also inherited my mother-in-law's dogs. So um, Kyle and I took one of the dogs and Stephanie, his sister took the other dog. So we constantly have like animals <laughs> running around and it's just, it's just a zoo. Um, so, you know, this might, tell you why I like to hide out in my office and do podcasts all day. <laughs> oh, the secret agenda. I yeah. was I was reading an article in the LA Times the other day about these two families who decided to rent a house together for quarantine, which has mostly worked out quite well. But the funniest story was one of them is a therapist and she, um, you know, set up a place to work and all that. First, all six children, three from each family, kept coming in she finally put a lock on the door, right? All that. But then what was happening was they were all yelling right outside the door, even though they couldn't get in. <laughs> and I thought, that's it. That's it. It's bedlam, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the thing is, <laughs> excuse me, the thing is with me, though, I am divorced and remarried. So every other weekend for a long weekend, they go to my ex-husband's. And actually, right after um, Susan and Nini passed away, uh, we had to quarantine because we had traveled out of state from New York to um, South Carolina. So I have these moments where I don't have them. So I have quiet and stillness and then complete chaos. So it's not <laughs> like I have to, it's not like this goes on all the time and I never get a break. I do get a break. Um, so in some ways I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I lose some of my steel uh, to protect myself when they come back because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so loud. <laughs> um, I remember those breaks. My oldest child was, uh, I was divorced from her other parent and, uh, you know, it, uh, there was sort of an all on or all off quality to it yeah. <laughs> that, that I think you can probably relate to. It's like driving in a rainstorm and like you go under that underpass just for a minute and you're like, wait, the rain stopped? What happened? And immediately you're back in it. That's like what it feels like. Exactly. I know you've also started um, a, a program at Mount Sinai for your, uh, in, in honor of your mother-in-law, in memory of your mother-in-law, uh, COVID-19 vaccine research. I thought yeah. that would be, uh, I'd really like to hear about that. Yes. So I'm on the board of the Mount Sinai Health System. And when all of this was happening, um, because it was prolonged, it took most of the summer up, essentially. I mean, Susan was in the hospital for six weeks. And prior to that, Nini had been in and out of the hospital for a month. So I had a lot of time to think about COVID. And, um, you know, I'm making light of it now. It was not in any way something to joke or nor is it now. I just mean, I had a lot of time to think about this disease and could I do anything? I just felt so helpless, um, especially with having to manage Susan's care from another state and just mm. being reliant on nurses stations picking up every three hours or the doc not missing the doctor's call because I was you know, giving the kids a bath or something. So um, I wanted to do something to help other families. And I really was hoping that I could help spare them going through the same pain um, that COVID wrought on our family. So I decided to start the Susan Felice Owens program for COVID-19 vaccine research at Mount Sinai Health System. And all the proceeds for my upcoming book are going to that effort. And my book launch event, um, which is next Tuesday, uh, February 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I'm doing a fundraiser at the same time. It's a joint book launch and fundraising event. So I'm going to be joined by 50 plus authors from the pod, from the, uh, well, yes, from the podcast, but also from uh, who had contributed to the book and some of the authors who just said nice things about the book, um, which I included in it. And we're selling tickets and raising money uh, for the charity that way as well. So I'm really trying, I have like a figure in mind of what I'm trying to reach. Um, so I'm hoping I can get there. Uh, but yeah. I, and I, I, I feel pretty certain you're going to get there. You, your, your energy is so contagious. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm trying. I'm really like doing everything I can. I'm like, if this doesn't work, I then I do not know how books will sell because I literally I am like, you know, night and day, like, what else can I do? Um, so we'll see what happens. But yes, uh, I've been working with Mount Sinai. And um, I have a, a video that, of course, like my two technical people on my team both 
quit last week. So I ended up making this whole video for the fundraiser on iMovie, having to like teach myself. How to, how to <laughs> that sounds familiar. The uh, things like, we end up learning, huh? Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, my 13 year old daughter helped me like make slides with Procreate. Anyway, it's been one of those weeks. Um, but yeah, so the doctors are doing great stuff. They obviously, since I started this, the vaccines have been approved and been given like this has been in the works for a while, but Mount Sinai is working on their own vaccine, which is at a much lower cost point, which will be delivered in one dose through the nose and doesn't require um, cold temperatures to store it. It can be stored at 37 degrees. So they're making a lot of progress on that using um, traditional flu vaccine and even like chicken vaccine models. So uh, they've, done great in animal trials and they're moving on to the next phase. So this is going to be particularly helpful for third world countries. More is better. <laughs> That's yes, what I want yes. to say. I wanted to kind of circle back to, to, you know, when, when I was reading the section from your introduction and I kind of broke out and said, thank you for that. It's, it's because uh, as a grief counselor, uh, an end of life worker, um, that the impact of all of these people dying in the way they're dying is so profound to me. You know, that if you figure on average, maybe 10 people grieve every person who dies in the world. I'm sure that's underestimated. But then imagine how many people that is coping with, with loss right now. And how, um, and coping with not being able to do the things that people would want to do. It's been a it's been a big thing in the grief community. Um, you can't sit by the bedside usually. You can't um, hold the person's hand. You know, there's just so many things that are denied to us in this time. Um, so I would say I'm not really afraid to die, but I, I sure would not prefer to die of this. And I think that's under underthought about unless you've been that one who's trying to navigate healthcare from a distance and the things you mentioned. Um, so I really like to emphasize that, you know, when I'm talking about COVID. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I've learned a lot more about good deaths versus bad deaths uh, lately. Um and prior to this, the losses in my life had all come quite suddenly. And watching Susan struggle, um, this is just, it's just so awful. Um, and the solitude and not being, not getting the support from her point of view. And then, of course, from our point of view afterwards, not being able to gather. I mean, that was, you know, I'm Jewish and I would have wanted to sit Shiva, even though she was Catholic. Um, you don't have any of those things, even for Kyle and Stephanie, they're like, we should be with the rest of our family. But, you know, their dad was stuck in, in Holland um, and couldn't fly back because of COVID and they didn't want to risk his health. And th so they couldn't even be with their own father. Um, it's just, it's awful. overwhelming, overwhelming yeah. and, yeah. and exponential. And yes. so even those of us that aren't personally affected um, are, are affected, I feel. You know, yeah. you, you can't help but but feel that. And in the midst of this is is your book. Let's circle back to that because um, that idea of moms don't have time to, um, on top of all this, of the grief atmosphere that we're living in, that, um, you know, I my daughter's always my example with her three. And she is a very resilient type of person and very energetic. And I think it's the first time since she became a parent that she called and said, Mom, I'm really struggling today, like more than once, you know? <laughs> and, and so there's that and, and how to kind of be supported in all of it. Um, so I wanted to just say what the sections of the book are because um, I feel – it's going to resonate with people who need help in certain areas. Moms don't have to, time to read. Moms don't have time to work out. Moms don't have time to eat or have sex or breathe. Those are the sections of your book. And um, I'm sure different people are missing different ones of those. But um, 
those categories are probably true from for for sure for everyone who's trying to raise little kids right now. Yes, it sometimes feels like everything is on hold or there's not enough time to fit anything in. But then you realize that these things that we say we don't have time for, that is life, right? Without all these things, without connection and friendship. My, I actually have another anthology coming in um, in November tackling another five topics, including sleep and writing and seeing friends and getting sick and losing weight. These are all these are all things that are just fundamental to making us human beings, and it's it's a obviously tongue in cheek because we find time to do these things. But yeah, it's um, everyone can relate to a different section, but at times we've all related to all of it. And by the way, the essays are not just "Hey, I don't have time for this." It's not like a complaint manual in any. No, no, not not whatsoever. (laughs) Thanks for uh, it's inspired by these things. So um, the topics were just meant as a leaping off point uh, to make people chuckle and and solicit interesting essays based on these themes. Well, there's a bit of a paradox there because everyone who's writing number one, they all found time to write the thing mm-hmm. they wrote. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but way beyond that, um, I, I was just um, touched by how much people are able to do. And of course, that's that intersects with my work, which is there's the part that's terrible, horrible, and no good. <laughs> but then there's what we make of it which is um, we may not even realize what we're making of it yet. With you, it's very obvious what you're making of it. And other people, I'm starting to hear, you know, my clients and people in my life and people I interview uh, talking about things they're doing that they actually wouldn't have done without this time. So there can be that sort of um, outgrowth of, of hard times that many of the essays in your book speak to, I think. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. Um, Absolutely. You know, I didn't intend to make something of this time. It just overwhelmed me that I needed to. Um, (laughs) Like the second I got, we left New York City and went out to Long Island. And the day, March 12th, that we went, I like got the kids set up. And I just remember the next morning we were out on the trampoline in the freezing cold. And I was like, I need a pen. I have this idea. I have to start doing stuff. Um, And I just was like, I need to help. Like I'm in a position where I can actually help people in this situation. I can help these authors. I can provide them with more of a platform. I can help all these books that are coming out, see the light of day. And I have to do it. And I have felt this, like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's like, I just feel this, calling to do this, what I'm doing. And, um, and I love it. So it's very easy for me. So (laughs) in the aftermath of the loss, it's been a continuation and almost a doubling down of, of what I had been doing anyway. I I think that sounds to me, maybe I'm strange, but it sounds the opposite of ridiculous because (laughs) I think that, that, um, challenges do push for that or pull for it, you know, uh, what is it? Not always so immediately as with you. Um, you had a pretty immediate response of what can I give? What can I do? Um, but I do feel that challenge leads in that direction. That's the point of my show. So of course, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and just as, um, Almost every show, I'm I'm reading a book that someone wrote out of their loss or out of their experience, and so that's that's something that that comes out of it. And like you, lots of people come on the show when they've just, um, you know, published a book. And what was going on with authors that I was encountering was, especially at the beginning, so devastating. Um, because they had all these plans to promote their books that they then couldn't do. I feel we've pivoted somewhat, and maybe you can speak to that more than I can. But at first, it was just big old fat loss mm-hmm. of of the process of sharing the book with people who might read it. Uh, so that was sort of a secondary loss I was aware of just because of doing this show. Yeah. 
And I knew how important this time was for all the authors having helped so many get to pub day and all of that. And then to have it all just gone, bookstores not even open. Yes, I think, you know, a lot of bookstores are open now, uh, but real life events are still not going on. I'm doing a book tour. It's all virtual. But I expected this because this whole book came out of this time. So I had no other aspirations. And virtual has gotten, at least in my world, better over this period of time. Let's come back to that in a minute after our second break. And listeners, just a reminder, you can have you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America and links to my book and all the rest and to find Zibby Owens and her book, go to zibbyowens.com. Be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent. Inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Zibby Owens about her just-released book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. And uh, we were we were just touching on another, you know, loss that uh, many authors have had lately of the way that they would have promoted their books. And, um, of course, I'm, ar- I'm also real, uh, very connected to the artists and musicians community. That's been devastating. Um, just the number of people who can't do what they do. Of course, the people who make a lot of money do it at, kind of at the top of the, their fields are, are probably okay. But I, I know artists that, you know, used to work in restaurants to support their art. <laughs> and so, uh, both went away. The, the art or, or, you know, performance or whatever it was and the backup job. Um, so it's it's been pretty hard on those communities and certainly on authors. But do you feel that we've also developed some new ways to connect uh, together around things like books? And you have offered that, but would you say that more generally, have we learned anything about how to um, promote to a world community instead of in a bookstore or however we would have done it before? Yes, I think that has been um, one of the, you know, perks. Can I even say there's a perk of such a horrific situation? (laughs) But one development that's positive is that you can now go to book events all over the country. I mean, I used to go all the time to book events at night, right? They would usually be at seven o'clock on Tuesday nights. And I would sometimes pop in with a kid or two in tow, or um, if I didn't have the kids, you know, try to go on other nights. Anyway, there would usually be only 10, 15, maybe 30 people there. And I was like, these conversations are amazing. Should I film them? A couple of times, I, took, a couple of times uh-huh. I, I literally took out my phone and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna do like an Instagram live here of this amazing conversation. But, but the bookstore should do something more. Anyway, lo and behold, you know, what, a year or two later, now that's what all bookstores do. So you can pop in all over the world uh, and connect with people that way, which I think is is really fantastic. So I have book events next week in L- or this even tomorrow. I have one for Diesel Bookstore in L.A. at 930 at night, our time and 630 West Coast time. And 
it doesn't just have to be the people living in LA going to Diesel Bookstore in the Brentwood Country Mart. You know, it could be anybody here in New York City or anywhere in the world, which I think is great. And also, I've connected with people through this time as far away as Nigeria, Australia, the UK, France, like everywhere. It's just made mm. this world seem so small. Oh. Um, and also just reinforce this notion that your people might not be right where you live, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're not out there. Like there are people you'll connect with if you just, you know, sort of peek your head out from the sandbox where you're currently living. Um, you'll find people that you'll be lifelong friends with in all these other places that you can connect with now through book events and book clubs and Zooms and all these things. So I have found that to be truly amazing and eye-opening. You know, in the field of post-traumatic growth, I don't know if you've ever heard of that field, um, but um, they talk about it being parallel paths, that whatever the trauma is, is not touched by the growth. So there's still that, and there's also the things that we learn and and grow. And so um, I, I want to be a voice for both can happen simultaneously. Um, we can feel terrible about the things we're losing and appreciate the things that have come out of it that we enjoy or that that we we think are positive. Um, and there have been many examples of that for me, <laughs> including my daughter coming and sheltering with us. I haven't spent so much time with her since 10th grade, you know, <laughs> uh, for an example, or um, my choir being their con- our concert in December being accessible worldwide. You know, we never did video things. <laughs> yep. So I, I agree with that. And maybe some people, I, I really hesitate to say this because there's been this kind of, of, um, of a sense, you know, now that you're staying at home, write the great American novel or, you know, <laughs> do something huge. And many people are not in a space to do that. Um, but if someone is called to do that, like you were called to do the things you did, maybe some people have a little more space than usual to do it. Like the hour they used to spend communing or, or, uh, you know, the, the time they used to spend um, going out to dinner yep. is um, available. So, you know, as you're interacting with authors, how does that come out? Do you feel as if people are, are feeling more space to do their writing or uh, less motivation, you know, or all of the above? I think all of the above. Um, but I definitely, as a mom of four kids, have so much more time free now. I mean, the logistics involved of getting my kids from place to place and all their after school activities. And last year, my kids were not last year. Yeah, last year, my kids were in four different schools. This year, they're in three different schools. And it's just, you know, it's crazy. And my husband would always say, like, you run around so much. Like, and I'm like, I, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I just, I, you know, but now looking back, a little crazy, huh? A little crazy. Like I, there was one point in the middle of the pandemic where I was searching for something in my iCal, like I couldn't find. When did I do such and such an event? And I went back, and it opened up to a typical day in my prior life. And I was like, How did I do all that? How did I get to all those places? Like, how was I living like that? Um, so yes, I have found all this extra time. I mean, it's been replaced by like, I don't know, somehow much more laundry, but I have found all this extra time not having to schlep and run and race and, you know, all that travel time to meetings. And I don't know, it's just been liberating. So, um, you know, I've used that time obviously. And I think that for authors, it really depends. It depends on what it was before and what it is now. Um, some people and, you know, I won't name names like myself, but if there's too much time, it's harder. Like I have, I do really well when I have tons of things to do. If I have a day where I only have like two things to do, I don't know. I might not even get to it. (laughs) 
So I think some authors who were used to writing books in the back seats of their minivans, like Wendy Walker, the thriller author, and, you know, all these authors who just fit it in at nap time or um, when they have too much time, it's a little overwhelming. They're like all day to write. What now what? So and also I think that living provides so much fodder for writing. So if you're inside all day, you might not be getting all the stimulation and ideas that you would get from just taking a walk in the park or, you know, meeting a friend or something like that. So I think it it goes both ways. I think authors have been very hard on themselves about it that, um, you know, oh gosh, you know, I haven't, you know, I've been really unproductive and all this time. And it's like, well, you know, it's, it's not like you were just on vacation, right? There's a difference. (laughs) I'm like, you know, none of us are on vacation. We are quarantining to save our lives. Like there's a difference. And I think we will all look back and be more kind on ourselves than we are in the moment. Um, especially because none of us knew how long it was going to last. So I think, I think it runs the gamut. Oh, I would be so, so happy if this time led to more kindness for oneself, because that's the biggest thing that really hampers grieving, for instance, thinking you're not doing it right and, you know, <laughs> kind of um, judging yourself because you you cry a lot or whatever it is. Um, not being kind to ourselves is one of the biggest factors in, in not in our grief not moving. So I will hope that you're right about that. (laughs) I hope so too. (laughs) What can we do to make it so? Well, (laughs) bottle it, I guess. (laughs) Um, It occurs to me that you're the perfect person to have four children because (laughs) you like a lot of activity. Um, But for those mothers that you know that that are feeling overwhelmed, uh, which I'm sure you must know mothers that are feeling uh, overwhelmed. <laughs> I, I am overwhelmed. I do not want you to think I have it all together. <laughs> I am continually and consistently overwhelmed and I cry a lot and I lose it a lot. So no, I don't have to imagine other moms. I am that mom. So anyway, keep going with your question. <laughs> so uh, what has been most helpful to you as an overwhelmed mom in this period of time. What do you think is, because you've, you've obviously navigated it um, and found ways to um, do what calls you and, and do what you have passion for. What has helped you to do that? What has helped me? Um, Coffee cup after coffee cup, moving right (laughs) into wine. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sort of kidding. Uh, What has helped me? um, Honestly, every day when I start getting stressed, which is basically every day, I just remind myself, like, keep your head down. Like, just keep your head down. Don't look up. Don't think about planning. Don't think about all the things that are coming. Like, look down. Have this moment. Deal with the kids. Like, keep yourself calm. I mean, that has been the most challenging, but it's something that is the most important because – with everyone around me losing it all the time, I can't always lose it when I want. Um, somehow, you know, kids like feel that from their parents. I'm like, wow, did they know I was in a bad mood yesterday? Because every kid ended up crying, which didn't help my mood, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a two way street that right, there, isn't it? <laughs> um, but honestly, I have to credit my husband. Um, he is so supportive and amazing, and I am so lucky to have found love again at 40, and um, I never thought my life would start over in this way, and he's really funny and supportive, and he does all the cooking, and uh, I think without him, there's just no way. I don't think I could have made it. I honestly don't know how I would have made it through, um, and even him in a grieving state is mm. a blessing compared to um, you know, what I imagine <laughs> could be the case. I feel as if things go one way or the other right now. Like if you still want to be married to the person you're married to at the end of all this, your your relationship's strong. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Yes. <laughs> Even yes. if there's rough days, if you're saying, no, I still want to be with you. Uh, I have that same kind of blessing and I'm very grateful for it. The last thing I just want to mention, and we won't have time to do it deeply, we only have a couple of minutes, but you've had a lot of loss. And I'm just going to assume 
that some of the ways that you use that that you use to navigate a challenge relate to having dealt with loss. Uh, I'm only I may be projecting that right because it's been true for me. But would you say that's that's uh, the two are related in your mind? Yes, I mean reading and writing have helped me through everything, uh, all all the loss, all the challenges, um, and it, there's things that have really just buoyed me and you know lifted me up from the depths. Uh, and so I know I can always go back to them writing to sort out my own feelings, reading to escape them. Uh, so the combination seems to be a pretty powerful <laughs> uh, tool for me. So that's what I've turned to now. And that's what I want other people to also get the benefit of. That's why I think I share so much, or at least I try. Um, this is what helps me. So, Well, you said earlier um, you like books that will help someone. Mm-hmm. And I read that you like books that have some depth and yep. uh, maybe they're painful even, but there's a sense of, of um, communion. And I think that is something that does, does come out of our own experiences of difficulty. We recognize other people who've experienced difficulty and, and it's comforting. Mm-hmm. It's like you found your people, like you were saying earlier. <laughs> I feel that way every every week. Like yep. I've found found my people, the people who aren't afraid of that space. Yes? Yes, 100%. Well, I want to say there's a lot in the book. We didn't talk, we talked more about what's behind the book than we specifically talked about the things in the book. But I just really enjoyed it. And I hope that people will go from many different directions, you know, because there's so many different beautiful stories in it. So I hope people will go, uh, go find it. And I want to really thank you for being with me today. Oh, thank you for this thoughtful and warm and just amazing conversation. Thank you. You're so welcome. And listeners, go find the book and everything else that Zibby Owens does at zibbyowens.com. Next week, I'll have Nancy Novak, founder of Nancy's List, a resource for people living with cancer. We'll be talking about that and her new book, I Am With You, Love Letters to Cancer Patients. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.